Welcome to Emerge, the health podcast for busy, high-performing women. Each week, we feature interviews, information, and inspiration that will motivate you to transform from overwhelmed, overworked, and overweight to vibrant, energetic, and on fire. My name is Dr. Alex Swenson-Ridley, selfless syndrome expert, board-certified women's health coach, and alternative medicine practitioner, wife, mom, and entrepreneur. I specialize in health for busy and driven women. Listen weekly as I share the tools, perspective, and knowledge you need to lose weight, boost your energy, and fall in love with yourself so that you can serve the world with an even bigger impact. Hello, welcome back to Emerge, the health podcast for busy, high-performing women. I'm your host, Dr. Alex Swenson-Ridley. Today, I am joined by Anne Poirier, who is someone I'm really excited to talk about. I know you're all going to enjoy what she has to say, but she has overcome her own eating food, weight, and body image challenges and draws upon close to four decades of experience. She specializes in training and advanced certification, um, has specialized training and advanced certifications, and created The Body Joyful Solution, wrote the book, The Body Joyful, to share her highly personal and life-changing journey. She's a certified uh, intuitive eating counselor and body confidence coach, self-talk trainer, eating disorder specialist, and author. And I know there's more to your story, Anne, but we'll we'll start there. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Alex. I'm excited to be here and uh, talk to your listeners. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so excited for this because I think this topic is not discussed enough in general. So, you know, we all need this conversation. So, so we'll we'll dive into it, but let's maybe start. You know, I, I love to start my interviews just with hearing some of your story. And I know you obviously have some history and how you got into doing what you do. So whatever piece of that you feel like sharing is great. Sure. <laughs> Go from there. Yeah, that's um that's great because it really starts young. My story starts when uh, I I grew up in a home that I was kind of put on a diet at 10 um, because a doctor said, you know, to my mom, you better watch what she eats. And that kind of started the ball rolling. So I was eating differently than my brother at home. And I had other kind of events, not being able to fit in the same clothes that my friends could fit in, had to go to a different department. My brother had a nice little nickname for me that didn't make me feel very good. So I just internalized all of these messages when I was younger, that my body's not right. I'm not right. The only way I could be right is if I looked a certain way and fit in. So I ended up actually with an eating disorder. I had anorexia nervosa at 12 back in the seventies before really a lot of people knew even what anorexia nervosa was. And luckily my mother got me help, uh, enough help to get me functional but the body image and the body dysmorphia really, and the struggles with eating and food up and down the scale, yo-yo dieting lasted my most of my life. So I decided in high school that I would go into fitness because if I was in fitness, then, Hey, I would have to be a certain weight or look a certain way in order to do that job. And that really took a toll on my self-esteem and self-image. So 40 years in fitness and my body just finally was really breaking down. I was very destructive with my own behavior, you know, going from extreme restriction to overeating, binge eating, then drinking. So anything to kind of disappear from myself. 
And it really was when my body started to say, um, you can't do this anymore. And my knee was breaking down. Um, I ended up with a knee replacement, couldn't have any other surgeries and had to just take a step back and go, this is not, this is not where I want to be. And this is not what I want to do anymore. And there has to be another way. And so that's when I shifted my whole career and changed everything, started to blog and journal, went back to school, went and got, got some help with a therapist, got some medication, you know, all the things to try to figure out where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do and how I could find a different way to live that wasn't all swallowed up by diet culture and what I call society's thin ideal. So. Wow. There's a lot there. (laughs) I I mean, first good for you. Like I, you know, I think it's so hard to break out of that because it's just, it's so ingrained in us and, and I'm of a different generation and even for myself, you know, I used to always have, I've talked about this on the show some, but I always had this perspective like, oh, I escaped without eating problems. You know, when my dad was telling his soccer playing 16 year old daughter that she should weigh 116 pounds. And I'm like, I have a butt, dad. You know, <laughs> but the reality, but, <laughs> and the reality is, you know, we end up internalizing it, whether we recognize it or not. Like we are just ingrained with this. We're supposed to look a certain way and we're supposed to eat a certain way and we're supposed to not enjoy food and be restricted and like all this craziness. Yes, for sure. And, and over and over and over again, and it continues to be reinforced and then we buy in. And so, you know, I think about going to a coffee shop with girlfriends and that's what we're talking about. You know, we're jumping on the bandwagon all together and supporting each other in every type of new plan or a new program. And so it, it becomes kind of a mindset that we in turn believe to be true. This is supposed to be, I'm supposed to look this way. I'm not supposed to enjoy food. I, you know, it's so interesting, the rules Mm -hmm. and beliefs that we really give ourselves around all of this. Yeah. And how limiting they are. Like, you know, I've, I've been on this cause I, I have a pretty extensive program I do with women and like really foundational level healing, but, and for a long time, you know, I did a bunch of telling them how to eat and all this stuff. And now I'm like, that's not even the, that's not what's important. Like for them to really have this be the last thing that they do and which is what I want it to be to then just like go and live, but we have to go within. And it sounds like that's what you did um, as a starting point for, Promise, because you know we can tell you all like, yeah, eat this, don't eat that, but we're just perpetuating that whole thing. Yeah, the whole cycle goes over, and you know it is saying stop. And what what choices do I want to make, and how do I want to live my life, right? And and really taking a look at that, how do I want to eat? What foods do I want to enjoy? How do my how does my body react to certain foods? You know, all of the internally listening internally versus externally, instead of looking outside for an exercise program or a diet plan or anything, stopping and really beginning to tune inside and ask your body and develop a relationship with your body around what it, (laughs) what it likes and what it doesn't like. (laughs) And we're so just, I, yeah, we're so disconnected from ourselves and what we actually need in like, 
just knowing ourselves in that way. It's so interesting to me and it sounds so simple. And so for those, you know, listening to this, like if you tried all the things and nothing has worked and you're always looking for the next thing, this is your invitation to interrupt that (laughs) and do something differently. And the different is go within and actually ask what you need. Right. Um, Right. That's kind of what intuitive eating is about really starting to tune in intuitively to our own bodies, right? What is hunger? What is fullness for you? Not for anybody else, yeah. but for you. And, and what foods do satisfy you and um, breaking free from the rules that we have been spoon fed, no pun intended, right? Over yeah. and over and over again, right? Yeah. I can decide for myself, which is hard, but it's also so worth it to decide for yourself how you want to feed yourself and move your body and take care of yourself because that's what is sustainable. Absolutely. Yeah. And oh, so good. There's so many places we can go with this. <laughs> so for, for you and like in the work you do with women, cause I, I know like my first thought is like, Oh, but that little voice in my head that says, no, like we get, we're constantly pulled in the direction of you should do this. You should do this. You should do this. You should do this. How do we start to quiet that down, quiet down the inner critic and like, just make space for us to actually show up and say, Hey, this is what you like, or this is what you don't like. (laughs) I think that's such a great question because that is really where it starts. So uh, in my book, I, I have these characters that are my inner, my inner critics. So I have names for my, mm-hmm. the, the people inside my head. Uh, mm-hmm. And I called them my mini me's. So they were all these mini me's and they have names. I had captain criticism in there and stupid Sally was in there. Like I had these names that were just part of my dialogue with myself. Yeah. And it was really starting to become aware of those voices. And then asking the question in, in that small space that we have between awareness and, you know, reaction, is this helping me? Is this serving me? How has this voice, how, how is it that these voices are helping me? And the question I ask is, how's it working for you? Right. And if we're right, if we're doing something the same over and over and over again, and we find ourselves running on the same treadmill over and over and over again, there's got to be that pause and that space where we can ask ourselves a different question and then be curious. Yeah. Very often. Yeah. Yeah. And less judgmental of self. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think, um, so I, I, of course I had to develop my other little persona that I called my maxi me who was more compassionate, stronger, wiser, right. More supportive and more beneficial. And in that transition of almost pulling the voices out of my head a little bit and being able to be a part of the conversation from the outside, it's almost like you're looking down on the conversations in your head. Um, That's when things start to become easier to keep moving forward, right? Is when I can stop and say, all right, this whose voice am I going to choose to listen to right now in this moment? So really like that. And that whole concept of just developing the persona of who you want to be. And then, yeah, 
and then listening to her, making that choice. Right. To right. To her. That's huge. Yeah. And so. having some go-to, um, one of my, my first go-to, which I still use today, one of my go-to phrases for myself is um, when mini me kind of kicks up, uh, you know, and I say, hi, and I always say, thanks for sharing. Like I, I acknowledge, thanks for sharing. Um, I'm going to choose to not go in that direction today. I'm going to choose this thought. And it might not be positive even. It might just be neutral. And that's okay too. To allow for, allow ourselves to have different tones of voice and different ways to talk through some of this negativity that we just, it's endless in our heads. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, it's... So like if we actually pause long enough to really pay attention to the dialogue and the thoughts we have about ourselves and the things we tell ourselves, like we would never talk to another human being that way. And I don't really, do you have any insight around why it is that we develop this ability to just be so horribly critical and like negative to ourselves? I think it's, it's just because that's how I think we, hear other people saying that I'm not really, it's a really good question Yeah, because it just, it's almost like it's always been there for me. Yeah. It just always was there. I don't know when it developed, but I know it must've developed in four or five, six years old when, you know, your brother calls you stupid or your, you know, um, a friend calls you fat or whatever those little, those teeny little things, or you don't fit in it at the the birthday party or somebody looks at you the wrong way. We internalize all of that. And the next thing, you know, our brain just takes that and it's a safety mechanism. I think there's some, some type of safety that it provides for us that if we joke about ourselves or if we call ourselves names, or if we talk bad about ourselves, then it allows other people not to hurt us as much. Like if somebody else said this, it won't hurt me because I got that covered. I can do that myself. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I think that's, and even I was thinking generationally, like I, I was as well, um, you know, we kind of are trained to think the way we think by our moms who were taught by someone else. And I think there's a story I heard somewhere. I don't know if you've heard this one, like this woman, she always cuts the front and back end off the ham before she cooks it. And like, she's like, someone was like, why do you do that? And she's like, I don't know. My mom always did it. And her mom asked her grandmother and her grandmother was like, the pan was too small. (laughs) (laughs) I'm guessing if we trace it back, not like we can make it that simplistic, but like somewhere. Right. I mean, we learn, we learn from our parents. So if I'm watching my mom look in the mirror and pick at her clothes, or if I'm watching my mom, um, step on the scale every morning, or if I'm watching my mom, um, make sure she has a certain portion or my dad either. Right. So we see all of those things. And as children, we copy and mimic what we see. And, um, you know, I had a dad that kind of looked at women in a certain way. And so I took on that as well to say, well, that must be the way women are supposed to look, or that might, must be the way that women are not supposed to look. So a lot of the little nuanced behavior that parents have, I think, impact, you know, our, our, we impact our children in ways that we don't necessarily even know that we're doing it and to no fault of anybody's, right. It's just, this is just who, who we are. And that's kind of my goal and my bigger mission is to how can we create role models that 
are in an older generation to help our younger generation not feel this pressure to have to look or eat or move or be a certain way. I love it. So let's dive into that a little. How how do we do this? Because the women listening to the show are kind of that generation generation. Like we are the ones moving into the age of wisdom and kind of the pre-postmenopausal area where we can emulate something different for our daughters and for our grandkids. I have all boys in my house, but you know, someday I'll have daughters-in-law. <laughs> God willing, uh, we'll see. <laughs> but you know, how, what are your thoughts on how we actually start to move into that direction with positive? I know it starts with us. So what do we have to start doing to start to shift that conversation? Yeah. And that's just starting to take a look at ourselves and look mm-hmm. at our own thoughts and behaviors around ourselves. You know, how do I feel about my body? Where did that come from? It's just, it's that curiosity that we talked about earlier, but I called it, I call it this non-judgmental curiosity about our own, um, the way we feel about ourselves overall, you know, what are my rules? Do I have rules around food? Do I have uh, ways that I show up to different places? What is my mood when I go to see family versus what is my mood when I show up to go to work, right? How, when do I feel most like myself, when am I happy? When am I miserable? And ju- it's almost, um, I have uh, step back, step backs in the book where you, and I, and I use that word, like you step back from your life and you take a, a broader scope. Like you're, yeah. you know, you widen the focus a little bit and widen the vision. So looking at your life from that kind of perspective and shifting your perspective towards how can I show up in my life the way my daughter or the way my son, I want them to show up in life, right? We want the best for them. Yet our own behaviors are just so ingrained that sometimes we have to pause and slow down long enough to ask ourselves, is this helpful or harmful for not only myself, but for those around me? You know, it's, that's why I think we're hearing so much more about self-care right now right? And taking care of ourselves, how to fill our cups up so that we can actually show up for the people that we love. Yes. Something I talk about on this show a lot, I call it selfless syndrome. Um, And I didn't tell you that before we started recording, but yeah, you know, and this is, this is all the important stuff, ladies. So especially if you're like, I don't have time for that. How do I tune into myself? Just like decide to make time. (laughs) You matter. Yes. (laughs) Team of things. So yeah. Yeah. And I think self-talk, I mean, self, um, self-care isn't, it doesn't have to be bubble baths and it doesn't have to be manicures. And it's, it's just, what, what do I need? Asking yourself what you need. Yeah. Sometimes especially (laughs) around food, maybe you have some insight around this. Cause I know a lot of the women that I work with myself included, you know, food has, we've developed this emotional attachment to it and we generally reach for it, trying to fulfill some sort of need or trying to damp down whatever that need is. And so when you get uncontrollable cravings and urges and, you know, eat the entire thing of ice cream or whatever it is. <laughs> right. Sure. Yeah. So I, there's um, what really helped me was the science behind food and eating. Mm-hmm. And when we eat, right. Mm-hmm. It does put us in rest and digest, right. It, it elicits our parasympathetic nervous system, our relaxation system. So if I'm stressed out or I'm anxious or I'm overwhelmed, 
or I'm emotional about something. I'm really sad. I have feelings that I don't are not comfortable. I don't like, or I think I shouldn't have. So I can turn to food and it will feel better at least initially. Right. So physiologically, it actually does make you feel better. So if you think you're crazy when you do it, you're not, it's because it works. Right. And so I think part of the journey around this is to understand that food works, but food's not the only thing that works. There's other things. And how do we incorporate other things? You know, and I always say food can be part of a solution, but it's not the whole solution because a lot of times with food, there's all the shame and guilt. As soon as the pleasure is gone, the shame and guilt come in and that negates everything. And you're back in the same spot. So, yeah. yeah. But what are, um, because I get this question a lot from women, what are some of the other things? What are some of the other things you have found that exist out there? (laughs) That's not food. A great colleague of mine had this great analogy, which I love. So I always want to give her credit. But she said, food is like a floodlight. It floodlights the brain. And what we want to find are these twinkle lights, that twinkle light through our head, right? I have twinkle lights behind me. Yeah, I see them. (laughs) (laughs) I love the twinkle lights. Mm -hmm. And that's a great, uh, I ask my, my clients to start a list. You know, what are things you love? What helps you relax? What feels good to you? And then by just kind of brainstorming some of those things, all of a sudden we have kind of, I call it a toolbox of twinkle lights, right? Is it lighting a candle? Is it taking a walk? Is it calling a friend? Is it taking a bath? Is it taking a shower? You know, is it putting on some music? Is it dancing? There's so many things, Um, you know, is it a comfy sweater that feels so good that you can just sit and, you know, um, be quiet in? Is it reading a book? There's like, everybody's going to have a different toolbox and it's taking a little bit of space and time for yourself to build that toolbox for yourself, you know? Um, and, and I think it's connected to what am I, what am I feeling? Can I actually name the feeling? Because a lot of times we can't name it. Um, and so that's like a whole new language that we have to learn, right? (laughs) Or a feeling language. What is this feeling? I don't know. (laughs) No idea. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how we miss learning that as kids, but <laughs> somewhere I feel like a lot of us did um, feelings. Yeah. I'm yeah. actually on this journey right now. Uh, as we we're talking about this, I've been doing a lot of energy work just through energy centers. Like, and I've been studying a lot of Joe Dispenza and stuff. I've talked about it some on the show, but I was doing this meditation this weekend where, you know, you're actually connecting each energy center in your body and there's seven of them in the body and then one above us. And at the fifth, which is at the throat, like it just, it was like, Nope, we're not going. Like we're really stuck. We just, it's like dead. I'm like, oh. And I learned not to validate or trust my feelings as a kid. And I'm like, oh. And so a lot, I know a lot of women who listen to this are dealing with that. And that actually ends up impacting our thyroid and all this other stuff. But you know, if we're talking about this language of feelings and building this box, like first we have to tune in and be like, do I have feelings? And I'm like, that's where I'm starting. <laughs> I mean, I know I do, but then it's like learning how to. So I feel like I'm on this whole journey of discovering who I actually am because I've just been, you know, hiding her away. Right. Well, that I think we yeah. all do that, right? Yeah. In some in some respects. And and we get to re- dis- reinvent and rediscover all the time. Right. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so it's really cool, which is, you know, I think about us, us, we're turning a page every day. We get to turn a page, you know, here's our new page. Oh, are we starting a new chapter or is this a continuation of yesterday? And how do we develop that, um, a language for ourselves of feelings? Because I think it's important. And what you, t- what you touched on, which, which is even more important is how can we allow our body to experience some of those feelings? We're, we're supposed to feel the feelings, but we yeah. don't want to feel the feelings. Mm-hmm. And we've been kind of, it's been said, or we've assumed, I don't know which maybe, um, that life is grand and life should be happy and you should be successful and happy with whatever's going on and grateful and life has its ups and downs. And we are going to be in a place where we're sad or grieving or angry or frustrated or stressed or overwhelmed. And how can we identify that in our bodies and then allow it, um, but not let it, uh, not kind of stuff it down because then it just gets worse, I think. Um, Right. And how can we actually give ourselves the time to experience the emotion? Yeah. Right. So one, um, I think it was um, Marissa Peer talks about how an emotion lasts really only about 90 seconds. It's the stories that we continue to jump on and tell over and over and over again that make it last days or months or years. So if we can just um, allow it to be there and not judge it and criticize and shove it down and stuff it with food or, you know, work it off with exercise or whatever that mechanism that we kind of turn to, you know, and finding our own ways of dealing with them, you know, handling and processing our emotions without all the judgment and shame and criticism that sometimes goes with it. Yeah. A really interesting exercise. I don't know if you've done this or have another variation on it, but uh, a mastermind I'm in with all women in business. um, We talked about our challenge for this last week was to take five minutes and just like lay spread Eagle on the bed and just be with ourselves. No phone, no meditating, no like anything, just like be. And I'm like, I mean, you're making the face that I made like, (laughs) 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 do I have to, but you know, if we can challenge ourselves in that way, I think we can unearth so much that's holding us back and making us sick and making our hormones jacked up and, you know, causing us to not lose weight and all the stuff. It's all tied to that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, allowing yourself and giving yourself permission to feel right. And understanding that. Um, the way we think emotions, we have certain beliefs on emotions. We shouldn't feel this or we shouldn't feel that. And, and questioning that and knowing that that came from, you know, our parents or our grandparents or or whomever. And we get to decide, no, that's a, that's a feeling that I have. And how do I want to process that feeling? How, what is my need during that feeling? Is it to curl up in bed and lie down for a little bit? Um, Do I want to take a walk and cry? Right. I mean, we can do all kinds of different things to help us process through certain emotions that are hard. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I wrote down during my little journey of journaling and meditating over the weekend was um, I now give myself permission to validate and feel my emotions. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I love that. And that's like a post-it note. 
it is like, right. (laughs) Put it on my forehead. (laughs) Cause well, you know, we have these moments of insight and then life happens too. So we, part of the journey is we have to work the muscle and keep reminding ourselves. This is how we get to where we want to go. Yeah, absolutely. If you think about, um, we, you know, we talked, touched on self-talk and, you know, think about emotions too. There are decades for many people of the same behavior and the same thoughts and the same way of thinking. So it does take, and then we beat ourselves up once we have this um, aha that we're not doing it all the time. Well, why would be because the old, the old programs are really worn and, you know, we have to give ourselves a break and say, at least now I'm aware of the old programs. So now when I become aware of the old program, instead of beating myself up that I'm back there, I can take a deep breath. I can, I can um, step into a different thought. I can validate the emotion I have. Now I have these new tools that I can use. And it's no wonder I use that phrase a lot. It's no wonder we turn to the things that have worked for us in the past because they're comfortable. We know they've worked. Um, and it's hard to step into some uncomfortable feelings. So, but the only way to do it is to do it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, we've been into all kinds of things, but it's kind of full circle because I think we gave everyone plenty to ponder and think about. Um, You know, if you were to give someone like one or or two kind of simple things to take from this or to start doing, to just start moving into this direction of... Mm processing the uncomfortable and moving into the place that's new and unknown and really just having the grace with yourself and the willingness to explore and be curious. Like, what would you say? I think, I think giving yourself permission to step back and see a different perspective, like a different shift, a shift in thoughts and perspectives and beliefs really changes everything. If we allow ourselves to step back and just ask some curious questions and allow ourselves to see things differently, you know, how can I see this particular thing differently? And on the other, on the other side of that, to realize that you have choices, that you can make a different choice. It's not always easy. It's not always comfortable, but you can, and that you have, you know, you have choices. One of my favorite quotes is from um, Viktor Frankl, you know, that quote about um, between stimulus and response, there's a space and in that space lies our growth and freedom. And I, and how do we just, as we continue to grow, widen the space enough to pause and maybe it's time for a different thought or a different belief or a different choice in that space. Love it. Oh, good. Sorry. I was, I'm just like letting that absorb. (laughs) And it's, you know, as as we started off with, it's about connecting with yourself enough to recognize those spaces. For sure. Mm -hmm. Sitting on a couch, lying on a couch or a bed and just being. Yep. And not judging. No. Right. So hard. 
so Every hard. challenge. <laughs> like challenge for everybody. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> and it, you know, I find it gets easier. There's, you know, we, we all have our ways to, but it, it does get easier as we yes. keep practicing this. So, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. And this was such a great conversation. Um, I know everyone's going to enjoy it. So that's listening. But for those who are listening that want more, obviously you have a book, um, but where do we find that? How do we connect with you? outside of here? Sure. Um, so the book is The Body Joyful, My Journey from Self-Loathing to Self-Acceptance. Uh, it came out last October. So you can find that anywhere. You can get it on Amazon or small, you know, you can order it from your favorite bookstore. And then I also have a community, a free community on Facebook. It's private called The Body Joyful Revolution. And it's where um, it's a non-diet, weight-inclusive space that is non-judgmental, curious, um, for changing the conversation around food and weight and exercise and body and self-care and all of the things. So it's just a place to connect and start shifting this conversation. So that's free and anybody can join that at any time. So fantastic. Well, I'll put links to that and the name of the book in, in the show notes, but great. Thank you again so much. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to Emerge, the health podcast for busy, high-performing women, where we provide you with the tools, information, and inspiration you need to transform from overwhelmed, overworked, and overweight to vibrant, energetic, and on fire. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to iTunes to subscribe and also leave us a review. Also, I don't want to be working with you on your health only once or twice a week. I want to be in this conversation and in the trenches with you every single day. I invite you to join me in the Emergent Women Community Group on Facebook for the chance to interact with me live once a week and even more information, inspiration, and motivation to transform your health and become the vibrant, energetic, and on-fire version of yourself we all know is under there. Until next time, remember to keep putting yourself first so that you can better serve the ones you love and the things you are passionate about. Mm-hmm.